0: Jesus has made you free. That's the wonderful truth ahead of us on today's Abounding Grace. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk according to the
1: flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You and I are free in Jesus. Free from condemnation, free from legalism, free from being a judge of other people's walk. We're free.
0: This is amazing grace This is unfailing
1: love That you would take my place.
0: This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We sure enjoy opening and studying the Word with you and pray you're getting a lot out of these studies in Romans. As we turn back to chapter 8, we encounter a glorious truth. There is incredible freedom to be found in Jesus and the gospel of grace. We're released from the burden of trying to live up to a standard we could never reach on our own. Instead, God has done all the heavy lifting for us. And when we realize it's all done by Jesus, we can simply embrace it by faith and be thankful. Let's spend some time talking about that. Again, we're in Romans chapter eight.
1: You know, you read chapter seven of Romans and it's easy to conclude that these are the confessions of an exhausted believer. Paul writes down from his own experience, the things I wanna do, I don't do. The things I don't do, I wanna do. And there's this constant wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. So much so, in verse 24, he comes to the conclusion that you and I often come to. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? What a wretchedness it is to live under the bondage of the law. Because that was Paul's issue. The law, it was heavy. It may not be the law today for Christians, but what it is, is legalism. This external standard... Different rules and regulations, coming to church religiously, doing my duty, it's such a burden, it tires you out. You would write the banner of your life, you'd write that little story, and your conclusion would be the same. I'm exhausted. And a person that lives under the law, a person that lives in a legalistic way, gets exhausted in one of two ways. You can jot them down. The first one is in just trying to keep up with all your own little rules, Well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I've got this goal, and I'm going to do this. And before you know it, you can't remember, and you're not sure, and then you fail a couple times, and you start beating yourself up, and then you jot it down, and you go, I'm just exhausted. I'm burned out. Is this what Christianity's supposed to be? I'm burned out. I'm exhausted. I want to do this. I don't do it. I don't want to do this. It's just exhausting. But there's another way that a person living under legalism gets exhausted, and that is... Your eyes always, aren't always just on you. They're now become on others. And you're saying, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And why aren't you doing this? I It's on my list. Why isn't it on your list? What kind of substandard Christian are you? And You get all tired trying to live everyone else's Christian life for them. And it's exhaustion. There's freedom from the law. Chapter seven is exhaustion. Chapter eight then would be deliverance. It opens up, doesn't it? There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You have been free. You have no condemnation for the failures and the faults that you find in your life. If you are in Jesus Christ, he has taken upon himself the penalty for your sins. We see that. Well, he says, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You and I are free in Jesus. Free from condemnation, free from legalism, free from being a judge of other people's walk. We're free And when we get to that point where we cry out, oh, how wretched a man that I am, I want you to notice again the question that Paul asks. He doesn't say, how do I get out from under this? The question that he asked back in chapter 7, he says, who will deliver me? Not how can I be delivered, but who will deliver me? So many times the key in the struggle is seen as how, but the key is really who. Too many Christians spend most of their lives asking how. Pastor Ed, how's, how do I get out from under this? Ed, how can I get away from this? Ed, how can I get over these feelings? How can I get over this mind thing? How can I get over the pain? How? Brother, help me. Help me to see how. Church, help me to see how. Pastor, help me to see how. How do I get over this? How to get out from under this? But the real issue isn't how. You know that as well as I do. So often the question is asked how, and the answer is silent. Well, I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't have great direction and insight, great guides and principles to live our lives by, for sure. But if you're focusing on the how question, you're missing the point of Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, it's not how, it's who. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And in verse 25, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God because he sent his son, Jesus Christ. I thank him that in his Son, by faith, I have the strength to live a life that's pleasing to him. It's not just me chasing after all the hows, all of the little principles, but I have God, and as a believer, you have God dwelling in you. Christ, the hope of glory, the Spirit of Jesus Christ indwells you. He will deliver you because he lives in us and he helps us from within. He helps us from within. We are in Christ and he's in us. I asked you to open at Genesis chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? Verse 8 is such a great verse in Noah's life because it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found grace just like you and I today find grace in the eyes of God. What an encouragement. But he found grace in the eyes of God in a time where judgment was going to come. Notice as we pick up in Genesis 6, in verse 11, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt or all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. Do you think that was our heavy words to hear? Like if you had to summarize, you had to paraphrase it, Noah's being told, I'm gonna destroy the earth. And right at this point, he doesn't really even know yet that he's going to be saved, but he does in the very next verse, verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher word, make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. Circle that word pitch, right next to it, covering or atonement. It's the Hebrew word kafar, K-A-P-H-A-R. It's used many, many times in the Old Testament to refer to the atonement the covering of sin through the sacrificial system, pointing to that day when the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, so that now we see the ark, the ark becomes a picture and a type of Jesus Christ. A picture, a type of atonement. So that later we learn that not only was Noah told how to build it, but Noah then was told to take his family and go into the ark. And when they were building the ark, he didn't put a big rope on the door, So he could pull the door shut on his own. No, the Bible says that God shut them in. They went into the ark in obedience to God and God shut them in. They were safe and secure and covered in that ark. They were safe. Because for 40 days and 40 nights, the waters of judgment came upon the earth and the floods rose. And that ark, no doubt, was tossed to and fro. But the Bible says that they were safe within and secure. And in the ark, they rose above the judgment. Now, aren't you glad when you read through Genesis that God doesn't come to Noah and say, you know, judgment's coming, Noah, and I want you to build this ark. I want you to cover it in pitch. And then I want you to find a good place and I want you to build eight handles on the side of the ark. Because you're not going into the ark. If you want to make it for 40 days, you and your family need to hold on to those handles as much as you can. And you're just going to have to hold on for dear life. And if you can hold on, you're going to make it, Noah. You're like, what? Hold on. Are you kidding me? Hold on. This is, these are floodwaters. These are raging oceans. I'm, I can't hold on. But you know what? I'll tell you what. I find a lot of Christians. That's how they live their Christian life. you ask them, how you doing? Hanging in there. Like God told you to put a handle on there and hang in there. Now, hey, Now, I understand the principle behind it. It, it almost becomes habit, doesn't it? When somebody asks you how you're doing, you've got the standard answer. You might say, good, okay, hanging in there. But some of you are living your life that way. You're just hanging in there. You're hanging on. In your heart, in your mind, everything depends on you and it's your handle and you're going to hold on even though at times you feel like you're you're about to slip. You're going to hold on for dear life and you're going to work a little bit harder. You're going to do a little bit more. You're going to pray a little bit more. Or some of you just let go and say, forget about it. But did you know the emphasis in your relationship with Jesus Christ is not you hanging on to God, but God hanging on to you? Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to John chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter ten. Oh, I'm just hanging in there, Pastor, and I know what you're saying, but sometimes you've turned that around, and that's the banner over your life. I'm just hanging out, barely making it, living a defeated life. I'm just living a life that just, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even living for Jesus. And my 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 first love is gone, Pastor. And it's a time where you need to pray, right, for God to reignite a fire in your heart that you would return to your first love. You know, the way to return to your first love is to remember from where you have fallen, Jesus said, and repent. So many Christians, I oh, do remember where I came from. I remember better days. I remember more fruitful days. I remember, and it bums me out because I don't have fruitful days today. Well, then repent. Turn away from where you are today. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent of your sin and return. Go back. I love that because you can go a mile away from God. You can take a thousand steps away from God. And do you know to return, it's not a thousand steps, it's one. You just turn around and you'll find out that God is with you all along. You really haven't been that far after all. He's been walking alongside of you, covering you, encouraging you, believer, filling you, drawing you, pleading with you to come back. John chapter 10, Jesus verse 25 answered them I told you and you do not believe verse 25 the works that I do in my father's name they bear witness of me but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you my sheep verse 27 hear my voice you know you can be backslidden and you can be heartbroken and you can be bitter and still hear the voice of your shepherd he's calling out to you day by day he says my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And notice, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You see, God, he's got a hold of you. It's not you holding on. Noah wasn't told to make a handle on the side of the ark. He was said, he was told, you go in. I'll cover you. I'll seal you. I'll protect you, and you'll be saved. And it's not only that, he goes on, verse 29, my Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. You can jot it down in Colossians chapter 3. There's a lot of talk about where do I want to be? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be when it's retirement? Where do I want to be in my career? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, you want to be, you want to be hidden. You want to be found hidden in Jesus Christ that your whole life is defined by Jesus. Because the truth is you are hidden in Jesus Christ. He has taken your life and now you are hidden under the righteousness of him. So that when the Father sees you, he sees not your failures and not your faults, but he sees the righteousness of his Son covering you, encouraging you. Now back in Romans chapter 8, Paul goes on from this wonderful truth of not being under condemnation in Jesus Christ. We spent two full weeks on that, didn't we? Looking first at the truths of not being condemned, and secondly, what do I do with my past, Ed? I mean, seriously, I've got a past. It's like a shadow in my life. You've got to be able to do something with it, and we learned, didn't we, that in the strength of Jesus Christ dwelling in you, you forget your past. You forget it daily. Paul said, these things in the past, I forget because I'm striving forward. Not only do you forget your past in the power of God, but then you forgive You're receiving that forgiveness upon yourself and then you're living in that forgiveness so that your past becomes a distant memory and it's today that God focuses you on and then from forgetting and forgiving, then it's forsaking. There's a conscious effort to leave the past behind. Why? Because the root of condemnation, the root of condemnation upon ourselves and when we are condemning others is looking over our shoulder. Looking unto Jesus doesn't bring condemnation. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn you, but to encourage you and to uplift you and to help me. But when I look back, condemnation's knocking at my door. And he says in verse two now, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what is this new law, this law of the spirit and life in Christ? I'll give you a hint. It starts with a G. What do you think it is? Grace. Let me expand that for you. It's the gospel of grace. It's the good news. The good news that you can be saved, that Jesus Christ came, God's only begotten son, to live a holy life, to die a holy life, to take the sins of the world upon himself on a wooden Roman cross, so that now by faith in him your sins can be forgiven. That is that is this new law of the spirit of life in Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. And so if that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ, then what is the law of sin and death? It's the law. (laughs) It's the Ten Commandments. It's the Torah. It's the law. It brings sin and death because it is weak. Notice verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. See, what the law couldn't do, God did it. The law was weak. The law speaking to us of Action and duty. The law over and over would say, do this and live. Do this and live. And the response of humanity was, I want to do this and live, but I can't. I failed. And when you bring failure to the law, what does the law do but condemn you? When you and I fail, James would tell us if we stumble in one point of the law, we've stumbled in all of it. And so this law, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life in Christ, the gospel, the good news, has freed us from the law of sin and death, freed us from the Torah, the Ten Commandments. Jot this down, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, You being dead in your trespasses and this uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Paul would later write to the church in Galatia that the law had its purpose. Remember, the law wasn't done away with. The law today is still holy. It's still just. It's still good. It has its purpose. What it does is it points us to Jesus Christ. Paul calls in Galatians chapter three, you can jot it down. He calls the law a schoolmaster, a tutor, but that once Jesus Christ comes and faith in Jesus Christ comes, there's no longer a need for the tutor. We now have everything that we need by faith in Jesus Christ. You can look at the law of sin and death like the law of gravity, if you will. You and I and all here today, we are bound by the law of gravity. That's why we're not floating around the room. Or take it down another step. We go down to DIA and we walk into the airport. We go through the terminal. You know what we're going to find at all the gates? Airplanes. We're going to find airplanes that weigh tons. You put people on it, you put baggage into it, and it's only heavier. And they're all sitting on the ground. Why? They're tethered to the ground by the law of gravity. But let's say you get into that plane and you're taking off and it begins to taxi out and go onto the runway and you know something's about to happen, don't you? You're going to hear those engines turn on, you're going to start feeling the thrust of the airplane. And it's going to be one of the best times of in a plane, isn't it? The takeoff. It's, It's your belly's all doing. It's great. Now, next time you feel that sensation, understand something. A different law is superseding the law of gravity. Actually, there's a few laws. The law of aerodynamics, the law of thrust, the laws of lift are going to take that piece of tonnage of metal filled with people and baggage, and it is going to go up, and it's going to supersede the law of gravity for a season. Even so in the spiritual realm, the law anchoring down like gravity, always pulling. is because it feels so much more comfortable, doesn't it? If you just give me the five things I need to do, I'll just do those five things, Ed. It seems so more comforting if we have these religious rituals in our lives that we'll just follow the religious rituals. It seems so much easier, and yet it's a tether. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ lifts us up, supersedes the law of gravity, the law, the Ten Commandments, and allows us to live a life far above, far above the anchor of the law. We're free to live for Jesus Christ by faith. You know, they came to Jesus. They asked him a question. You can jot it. No, let's turn there. John chapter 6. Flip over to John chapter 6, a few pages to the left. It's a good thing to hear the pages turn. It's a good thing to have Bibles and to use them. John chapter 6, you have a problem finding, you know, a book. Don't, don't, just look at the table of contents. That's okay. You're going to learn the books of the Bible. Trust me. The more you turn, the more you look. Some of you just need to get those little tabs, you know. Oh, I can't get those little tabs. Ed. That's cheating. That's not cheating. Don't let anyone tell you that's cheating. It's not cheating. You get to learn the books of the Bible, you get to grow, you get to understand. And notice, they came to Jesus and they asked him because they're, they're coming from a perspective of the law, they're coming from a perspective of works. They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And you would think that Jesus would give some long list. Here's all the works you should do. Do this and do that. Because from their hearts, they're going, what can I do? I want to strive to please God. I want to work to please God. And then verse 29, how does Jesus answer? He said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him. That you believe in him. He sent. We are free. How? Is it by working hard? No. Is it by our experience and our training? No. By following rules and regulations? By having the right clothes? By wearing Christian t-shirts? By having a big Bible? From being experienced in ministry? Is it any of those things? No, it's by faith. The simplicity of faith.
0: Isn't that great? All we need to do is turn to Christ in faith. Pastor Ed Taylor will be right back, so don't rush away. You're listening to Abounding Grace and an encouraging message called Jesus Has Made Me Free. I'd imagine some of you would like to hear it again, and you can online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called The Man God Uses. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd say you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're not quite sure how to get there. In this book, Pastor Chuck Smith examines 14 characteristics found in several people in the Bible that were used by God in powerful ways. I know you'll be encouraged, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses, too. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. With a closing illustration, here's Pastor Ed. You can look at the law of sin and death
1: like the law of gravity, if you will. You and I and all here today, we are bound by the law of gravity. That's why we're not floating around the room. Or take it down another step. We go down to DIA and we walk into the airport. We go through the terminal. You know what we're going to find at all the gates? Airplanes. We're going to find airplanes that weigh tons. You put people on it. You put baggage into it. And it's only heavier. And they're all sitting on the ground. Why? They're tethered to the ground by the law of gravity. But let's say you get into that plane and you're taking off. And it begins to taxi out and go onto the runway, and you know something's about to happen, don't you? You're gonna hear those engines turn on, you're gonna start feeling the thrust of the airplane, and it's gonna be one of the best times of being a plane, isn't it? The takeoff. It's it's your belly's all doing, it's great. (laughs) Now, next time you feel that sensation, understand something. A different law is superseding the law of gravity. Actually, there's a few laws the law of aerodynamics. The law of thrust, the laws of lift are going to take that piece of tonnage of metal filled with people and baggage and it is going to go up and it's going to supersede the law of gravity for a season. Even so in the spiritual realm, the law anchoring down like gravity, always pulling is because it feels so much more comfortable, doesn't it? If you just give me the five things I need to do, I'll just do those five things, Ed. It seems so more comforting if we have these religious rituals in our lives that we'll just follow the religious rituals. It seems so much easier, and yet it's a tether. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ lifts us up, supersedes the law of gravity, the law, the Ten Commandments, and allows us to live a life far above,
0: We'll share the rest of this message with you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Remember, Jesus has made you free. So believe it and live like it. This is amazing grace.